Sasha Thompson is a respected and certified DEI coach. For the next 30 minutes, we'll get an exclusive look at some of her conversations with others in the field. Welcome to DEI After Five. Hello, everyone, and welcome to DEI After Five. So I know every week I say I'm excited, I'm thrilled to have this next guest, but today, for real, for real, this is one that is near and dear to my heart, um, and I will talk about why in a moment, but my guest today is Kimberly John Morgan, and I am just thrilled to have you, Kimberly, and the reason why this is near and dear, because I'll, I'll just tell everybody all of our little secrets. So. Kimberly and I met um, via LinkedIn, of course, as most people meet during these times. And we're having this conversation and we're just connecting and, and clicking and vibing. Then all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, your last name is John. Do you happen to have people from St. Vincent? And then come to find out, we think we might be related. So we're still trying to figure that out. Yep. But we've been claiming each other as cousins ever since. Ever. Of course. Yes. <laughs> Family's family. Family is family. But, you know, what I appreciate um, about you and your work is your authenticity and your voice in this space. Um, we have very similar, how will I say it, voice in that it's unapologetic. Yes, ma'am. And it's, it's, it is what it is. And so wanted to talk to you about that and, you know, what led you to, to keeping it real? Because I mean, you have to. You have to in these times. Yeah. Wow. What led me to keeping it real? I think, I mean, I think once you get to a certain age, you just lose that filter, you know, <laughs> and I, I embrace all of that and I look forward to getting older. I really want to be an elder where I can just say whatever I want. Mm -hmm. um, but also in terms of like just dealing with workplace rhetoric, you know, employers that say that one thing, but don't act on that. And so just growing tired of that, growing tired of just going in circles. Um, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just gonna say, this, say the things and say all the things and say them very loudly and not sugarcoat them. Because you know, trying to keep and appease comfort is not getting us anywhere. So I'm like, mm -hmm. you know what, these are the things that I'm thinking, other people must be thinking them. So I decided to just start putting them out there. And that's kind of what led me to where I am right now. I love it. You know, I appreciate and I don't know if it's the algorithm in LinkedIn or what, but every day when I log in, mm -hmm. your content is like either the first or the second thing on my feed. Oh, wow. Like every oh, single day. And so I'm like, what's the dialogue we're having today? <laughs> Who, you know, and like, I love like just that dialogue because it's so real. Mm -hmm. You know, I've probably had or witnessed some of those conversations. Mm -hmm. And so, what I take from that is one, this is what I like to call like the dirt in the corner. These are the conversations mm -hmm. that have that, you know, that we have that people don't realize, okay, these things happen every single day yeah. within almost every organization. Yeah. And, you know, as we call it, sometimes it's the foolishness. It really is just <laughs> like, I can't believe that people are still having these conversations. Yeah. Um, and then, so you get so many comments, you know, on those dialogues. And so talk to us about how it's landing on people. Oh, wow. Um, for those who, who see themselves in my post, it lands 
you know, spot on, you know, and a lot of people are not able to comment on my post because they are so afraid of what their employers are going to say. So my DMs blow up uh, mm -hmm. on a regular basis um, with people just affirming what I'm saying. Um, on a rare occasion, I'll get somebody, you know, that not so closeted racist who will, you know, try to intimidate me on my own post. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I've had to limit my my comments to just my connections because um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to create this open space for people who face isms to share their experiences only to be harmed. Um, okay. So, you know, obviously I'm doing something right if I'm making people mad, um, if I'm making people who hold those discriminatory beliefs true to their heart, if they're getting upset by what I'm saying, then I'm saying something right. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, I mean, I take all of it. I take all of it because I know that's the the chance I take, that's the risk I take being in a, such a public sphere. But really, I'm here for the people. I'm here for people who face isms, people who, you know, everyone has a voice, but not everybody can use their voice. And mm -hmm. so, you know, some people may not be able to use their voice, but they can use mine. Um, so that's what I'm here for. And so for the people that I'm here for, it has landed quite well. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I just love everything that you put out. Um, and that's what that was kind of the connection. Right. So it was, oh, my gosh, I found someone that is unapologetic in this mm -hmm. work, that is using their authentic voice, that is doing so in a way that makes people shift in their seats. Um, yes. Because I'm like, if you're not feeling some level of discomfort, then there's no way that you're going to change, right? Change comes from being uncomfortable. When you think about, um, you know, a butterfly becoming a butterfly in that cocoon, it's not comfortable, right? But that's the process you have to go through in order to, to emerge as a butterfly. Yeah. And so as you're doing this, and, you know, I'm thinking also about your job, right? Like, so you mm -hmm. are in communications, you are a writer, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I often talk about how companies want to get these writers out there to do the, the PR piece of it, right? Oh, make us look good and, you know, want things to be pretty and everything is perfect. Mm -hmm. But what we're finding, especially over the last two years in this DEI space is what's happening internally is not necessarily what's being reflected externally. Yeah. And so talk to me or talk to us really about kind of making that connection between the two mm -hmm. um, in in your writing and in your communications work. Mm -hmm. So I've had a few, um, not too many, because I think a lot of corporations are a little afraid of me um, where they just because they realize when they sign me on, I don't play. You know, mm -hmm. I come in and we're going to do the real work. And if they're not doing the real work, I will not help them sugarcoat the work that they're not doing. Um, so the few corporations that have come to me, um, I've questioned them. I'm like, where are you doing the work? Show me your metrics. You know, let mm -hmm. me talk to the, the people who face discrimination in your organization. Like, let me see evidence of the work before I will sign on to work with you. And for mm -hmm. many of them, that's just too much effort where I'm like, I'm not really asking for a whole lot. I just want evidence of, you know, what you say is a value that you hold true. Um, so uh, working with corporations is a very sticky space because, I mean, I am a talented writer um, and, you know, I am the first to admit that I've worked very hard at developing my craft. And so I will not allow my voice to be misappropriated or mm -hmm. used by an, by an organization to try to gaslight employees. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, if I was a different type of person, if I wasn't 
you know, at this stage of evolution of my life, you know, I could use what I do and like just use it for ill-gotten gain, you know, and, and really cause a lot of harm. And I'm very aware of that. I'm very aware of that. So um, most of the work I do is with other DEI consultants. Um, so people who work in the space who need help amplifying what they're trying to do, their, their products, their services, their training offerings. Um, because again, I can write really, really well, get into other people's voices and be able to just put that polish on what they're trying to do without diluting it. And right. so um, that's really who I'm here to serve are the people in the space who need to just move their work along. And so in addition to that, I also have developed a series of training resources to support those in the space. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've seen, you've probably seen my performative allyship theater. Yeah. Um, which honestly, it started off as a joke. It started off as like me and a bunch of my friends were just chilling, you know, pandemic chilling in our little bubble. And we just started like, you know, when you're with your friends, you just spit stupidness, right? Like you just, things come out. And I was like, you know, wouldn't it be funny if somebody said this? And then the idea hit me where I'm like, you know what the thing is, is that people who cause harm in these workspaces, they can't hear themselves. We're laughing and joking about it because we have dissected it. We know how harmful it is. We we see it, we hear it, we know it. But those who are perpetrating this don't know it. And so I created this whole series called Performative Allyship Theater, which started off as a joke, but it's funny because it's true. And so yeah. I pull out all of the language that people use when they're trying to be as inclusive as possible and they're actually being really harmful. So I've turned those into training resources again to support the DEI space. Um, cause I, I know very well which side of the fence I'm sitting on and I'm here, you know, for the people who are doing the work. I love it because it is, I mean, and I talk about, you know, the performative piece all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm going to use the NFL as an example, mm -hmm. uh, for a season, you know, or two things, two seasons, you know, and racism and, you know, we're all in this together and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But then I'm just like, internally, it's just the foolishness, right? right? Like nothing has changed at all. No. And every single year after year after year after year, it's the same conversation yeah. around lack of, you know, lack of um, number of coaches or mm -hmm. executives or mm -hmm. everything is still the same. And so regardless of what you put on the field, literally, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It's all a performance because yeah. nothing internally is changing. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And so, so many companies do that very thing. Mm -hmm. It's, oh, we're going to put, you know, black and brown people on our brochures and we're going to make sure that they're at our recruiting events and all of this. Yeah. But when you look at the numbers, you're having conversations of, oh, why is there only one VP of color yeah. in our entire organization of 40,000 people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So it's I think so problematic. Out that yeah, and I think calling out that the performance of mm -hmm. it um, is important because mm -hmm. it, it is just really a show mm -hmm. for many of them. And mm -hmm. I think for people that are in marketing and communications and PR, it's a hard place to be right now because yeah. do you continue the performance or mm -hmm. do you really start to be authentic mm -hmm. in, in what's happening? Yeah. Um, and I want to get your, your thoughts on that because <clears throat> in my mind, and you know, we've talked about this, I started, I did a big portion of my career in marketing and it's about, I've always believed that if you come across as authentic and talk about the dirt in the corner, mm -hmm. that people 
are more attracted to you mm-hmm. than for you to say, oh no, everything is great. Everything mm-hmm. is wonderful here. We don't, you know, here, here's all of our black and brown people that are happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here they go. But then you talk to black and brown people within the organization or even someone with a disability or whatever their thing is, mm-hmm. and they're not having that same experience that you're putting yeah. out there. Right. Yeah. And so that's what gets circulated is, oh, it was just a bunch of lies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how do you feel about that? Oh, I've got huge issues with it. Um, And so this is why I, a lot of people don't like to use the term call out, but I I call people Mm -hmm. out. We need, we need to get to the point of calling it out in turn, because I'm not, I'm polite enough, but I am not going to soften anything up and I don't sugarcoat. As I always Mm -hmm. say, I I do not sugarcoat. Um, People need to understand and hear what they are doing. And they need to be, they, they need specific direction on how to stop doing what they're doing. And so I feel like, I feel like I'm on a one woman mission sometimes to really call out all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes um, organizations really uncomfortable, it makes them very uncomfortable because there's so much ego at play. There's so much money at play. There's so much, you know, they're more concerned about their optic, optics than they are about people. And that's really what I'm trying to break down is to say, you know what, you need to put your egos aside, you need to put the money aside, and really look at what you are doing by way of harming people, and how you are, you know, holding back careers and how you are just denying opportunities to people. Um, And I think a lot of you know, C-suite people have never been talked to that way because there's this idea that, well, because I have a certain title, because I sit in the C-suite, because I have, you know, all of this you know, grandeur, nobody can dare talk to me like that. And so I'm the first one to sign up and say, yeah, but I'll talk to you like that. I'll tell you the truth. Um, and you're going to hear mm-hmm. it from this little black face with, you know, these locks and all, all of it, all of this is telling you about yourself. And so, I mean, someone has to do it. I'm happy to do it. Um, I think, you know, more people should be doing it. And I, I understand the privilege that I have being removed from the right. organization, you know, so there's privilege. I can say whatever I want because they don't have to retain me. And once my retainer is finished, they're done with me, right? Whereas right. the black and brown people, the disabled people, the LGBTQ plus community who works in that organization has to stay there. So when I enter into a space, I try to speak as loudly as possible for as many people as possible. Cause I'm just like, I don't got a dog in this fight, but y'all need to hear it so that when I leave, I've caused enough disruption. So those who are facing harm can, you know, have a little bit more breathing space. And I appreciate that. Right. I think that's the piece of this because there's so many DEI professionals, I'll say Mm -hmm. professionals versus practitioners, but professionals Mm -hmm. that are in this space to coddle sensitivities. Oh, right. you're touching on things, Sasha. You're touching on things. Yes. <laughs> Versus right. yes. practitioners, true mm-hmm. practitioners that want to put the words into practice, that yeah. want to make things actionable, that want to move the needle um, and push people outside of their comfort zones. Mm-hmm. And then that's exactly what you're talking about. It's, mm-hmm. you know, many people, I, I will always go back to, you know, when, when I was um, working with a coach, I'm still working with this coach. Um, she's asked me the question of where can you make the most impact inside or outside of the organization? Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I held on to the inside of the organization. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. in here and, you know, I want to do 
And what I realized was I had the proverbial shackles on mm -hmm. of that organization. I couldn't say the things or even when I said the things, then there was punishment that came behind that yeah. and using my voice. And so now that I am what, you know, I like to say I went through the Underground Railroad and, and I was free. Um, <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> I, I can say the things, right? Mm -hmm. I can push back. I yeah. can step away from clients, right? Yeah. Or I can step away from organizations because, you know, it's like what I'm seeing here doesn't align with my values in this mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. And I'm not about coddling sensitivities. Yeah. I am, you know, about let me help you push your boundaries and be a support system for you as you work through that discomfort. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not going to just make you uncomfortable to make you uncomfortable. Right. But how can you learn through that? And I think that's the piece that I appreciate about the work that you do, because mm -hmm. it's like, let me make you uncomfortable, but let me help educate you through this process as well, too. Yeah. And so that's the piece that I think so many people or organizations are missing. It's mm -hmm. having that ability to have someone that's going to one, push them mm -hmm. um, or partner with people internally, because again, they're limited, right? So how can I partner with someone that's in-house yeah. to help you make people uncomfortable? Because I can say the things or you can say the things that they can't say. Mm -hmm. And then how do we get through that education. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the education piece is the key. Like, I feel like, I feel like a, where, where the resistance comes from, in addition to a lot of things is, you know, a lot of organizations, a lot of C-suite people are, they've been told, don't do this. Don't say this. Don't, don't, mm -hmm. don't, don't. They've gotten their list of don'ts, but I feel like we need to pair that up as practitioners. We need to pair that up with here are the things that you should be doing. So we're going to mm -hmm. take this away and we're going to replace it with this. Mm -hmm. And that's where, you know, what you were saying about the education piece, like that's really, they have to go hand in hand. Yeah. So in the work that you do, because I think, you know, people will go to your LinkedIn page, they'll see your work and they're like, okay, she's a ghostwriter. Like if she's a comms person, <laughs> how do I use her? Yeah. Right. So if there's, there are practitioners that are listening mm -hmm. that want to be able to kind of tap into like, okay, we need another voice in this. Right. What are some things that they can do like in working with you or some things that they could just kind of do on their own to start doing, getting their voice out? Um, well, one, I think all the practitioners follow me because they're Agreed. fantastic. Um, <laughs> they just, they give me life. They're so good. Um, and I, I appreciate that they give me space to have these conversations. Um, one thing they can do is, you know, they can go to my e-store, they can buy, you know, my training resources and use some of those in their trainings, in their workshops, their sessions that they're running within their organizations. Um, because, you know, what, what prompted the store was, I'm thinking, and the, the, the concept for the store happened about six to eight months ago, where it's like, the people out there who are on the front line must be tired, mm -hmm. you know, they must be tired of coming up with you know, example after example, case study after case study. And I'm like, you know what? I'm a great writer. I can just write these resources and then they make that available to them. Mm -hmm. So anyone who wants to engage with me, uh, they can definitely check out my e-store. 
Um, it's available, you know, access through my website. And then, you know, I also, I have things at all price points in there. So for the brand new practitioners out there, you know, who are independent consultants, they are more, I have a couple free pieces in there as well. Cause I'm like, everybody deserves a little bit of my salt, everybody. So mm -hmm. uh, they can go and take some of those. Um, yeah. So I would say that's like the primary way if people want to, you know, engage with my content and work with me. Another way would be if, you know, I've, I've had a couple of these where people are building online courses or they're building internal training and they need to have specific examples that speak to things that have happened within their company. Mm. Um, but they obviously want to maintain, you know, privacy and whatnot. They don't want to, you know, air the names of the people, but they need a situation. They need a scenario to be written yeah. to speak to a certain type of ism that has happened time and time again in the organization. You know, I am a very creative mind. And so I can create, you know, a series of scenarios that they can use as part of their training deck um, to speak to specific issues within their company. And so, you know, that's where I would say, call me, commission me, you know, put me on a retainer, tell me what the issues are. And I can write a whole bunch of things that can call out the things without calling out necessarily the individuals. Yeah. And I think that that's so powerful because um, I've used scenarios in quite a few of my trainings. Mm -hmm. And what I find is, so many of these organizations get these trainings that are the abstracts, right? Like it's yeah. oh, it's just things that happened out there, mm -hmm. and it's wonderful and it's great. Oh, we're going to talk about these definitions. Great, mm -hmm. that stuff doesn't happen here. Yeah, and I love to say, okay, let's take that and then let's look at the data from your last survey, internal survey, mm -hmm. and based on what we just learned, right? What, how can you interpret this data? Yeah, right and then go into scenarios because yeah. now it's like, okay, now it's real. Now mm -hmm. the stuff that your people are saying and experiencing and doing, mm -hmm. um, and how do you respond? Mm -hmm. Because that I think is another piece of this too, that I appreciate the scenario piece is when it's real, people freeze, they don't know how to respond. And so that's the education piece of, these are the resources that are available to you. This is how you respond, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I love that you offer that because so many people don't want to quote unquote out individuals within their organizations right. by telling the stories, but right. being able to take a situation, change a name, change a gender, change, you know, whatever it is mm -hmm. to be able to still get the same impact. Yeah. I think is critical. Yeah. And it's very powerful, you know. Um, yes. One of the things I'm playing with right now is um, I'm trying to write a, a series of case studies um, that will write the case study in first person. Mm. Because I find that a lot of case studies are they're written about people. So, you mm -hmm. know, Jane works at this company and this, this and this is happening to her, which, you know, it tells the story, it gives the, the scenario and it gives all the things that are happening. But I feel like there's something really powerful about writing the case study in first person. Uh -huh. You know, so that the employers and all the people who are reading it can really understand the impact of how that person has experienced the workplace. Yeah. You know, and it takes it from the theoretical to the practical. Yes. Um, so that's something that I'm, I'm definitely working on right now. I've been toying with it, you know, seeing where the words kind of fall. Um, but I really want to dig deeper into that because I feel like it also gives people who experience discrimination an opportunity to tell their own stories or to see themselves in the stories in a, in, a, in a more powerful way, not a passive sort of like voyeuristic way, but putting mm -hmm. them in the primary seat as the person who should be paid attention to. I love it. 
I absolutely love that. You know, as we, and we've talked about this, you know, before around taking time off. Mm-hmm. And just, <laughs> like, girl, off. what is that? <laughs> I'm taking a month off. I'll see you <laughs> on the other side. Um, but, you know, I think it's important in this work too. And, you know, this such a theme throughout all of the work that I do is when you're in this space, it takes so much out of you, yeah. right? Because, and especially for you, you know, I would assume that when you're writing, like the creativity, that that could be draining to yeah. some extent, in addition to doing this work that is already somewhat draining too. Mm-hmm. And so how do you take care of self, right? How do you mm-hmm. fill your cup? What do you do to, to make sure that you are fresh and ready to just stay vibrant in this space? Yeah, I think that's something I'm constantly learning. I think it changes every quarter um, because it depends on where I'm at, what I'm doing. Um, Yeah, I think a big part of it is sleep, get as much sleep Mm. as possible. Um, I'm way more creative once I'm rested. You know, if I don't get enough rest, then I am just cranky and nobody wants to be around that. Like, it's just, it's not pleasant. Because, like, could you imagine cranky salt? Like, I'm salty right. to begin with, and then you have the cranky. <laughs> like, that's just not right. Nobody needs to be subjected to that. <laughs> so I try to make sure I get enough sleep. Um, like, everybody, you know, make sure you drink enough water. Um, I'm learning to take time away. And I'm mm-hmm. learning to also limit the number of projects that I take on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, I look back on the body of work I did for 21, and I'm like, who was that woman? I don't even know. Like I had, I think it was like 231 posts across both of my platforms on LinkedIn because my company page, my personal page. Then I was also on Instagram and then like writing for myself, writing my own blog and then writing for other people on top of that. Right. So coming into 22, I was just like, yeah, I can't, I can't keep up with that pace because I'm tired. I'm tired. And so I've learned to take on fewer projects, deeper projects, but fewer of them. Mm -hmm. Um, so sort of decolonizing my, my workload has been a huge help. Um, and then I also have accountability partners, you know, I have a great partner. I have fabulous, fabulous sisters who are just like, have you slept today? Did you eat today? You know, um, who always just remind me to just step away, you know? Um, but it's, it's a, it's a constant battle because you're passionate about the work. It's, I, I dream about it. I dream about writing. I wake up with ideas about writing. So it's hard to fully separate myself from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say last last week, um, I, had, I had to have like dental work done. I had a, a root canal, which was not fun. And I actually had, I was forced to take five days off, which mm-hmm. felt like an eternity. Like this is my first day back to, to wow. my desk. And I was just like, oh, that's what that feels like, (laughs) you know, to actually fully step away from your desk. And Mm -hmm. what I learned from that experience is I like it. I do like it. And I think the the main thing I'm going to try to do for 22 is to take back my weekends fully. You know, I don't do any client facing work on the weekends, but I always am grinding on something like, you know, working on a little something here, here, here. I think I need to take my weekends back fully. So you know, when we have this conversation again a year from now, ask me how I'm doing with this because right now I'm not fabulous at it. Oh, I, I can help you with that because I'm all about everything. Five o'clock, shut down. Like, really? I I close my office door oh, unless my I have a call that goes off. 
Right. I close my office door. Okay. I'm, I don't come back in here, right? Because really? this is the space. And then I don't come back until mm-hmm. the next morning mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I can come back in. But yeah. that's something that I had to build toward. Yeah. Right. Like I had to build to that because when I first, when I think about the first time I actually worked, I worked yeah. in higher education. So I lived and worked in the same place. And right. that was something that I learned very quickly of, okay, cutting off the work and the personal. Yeah. So, but again, it's something that I had to evolve. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and you said something about even just taking that time off and taking mm-hmm. back your weekends. Mm-hmm. I think that's so critical. Yeah. Like this weekend, I had some projects <laughs> to work on. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just do stuff that's not going to take a lot of brain, like thought process. Mm-hmm. Let me rewrite some notes because I'm trying to get rid of paper and going this whole electric notebook thing and trying to do things like that, where yeah. if I'm going to work, it's going to be productive, but I don't have to put a lot of brain power behind it. Yeah. So um, I, I'm hoping that once the pandemic is over, that that will allow more space between the yeah. work and, and time off. I mean, where I am, we just came out of lockdown five. Um, five. And that was like last week, I think it was. Um, so what else is there to do? You know, you can't see your family, you can't see your friends. The only places I go are the grocery store, or the pharmacy. And so what else is there to do but work? So yeah. I'm hoping once the pandemic kind of eases and things clear up a little bit more, um, that there'll be more space to do other things. Yeah, I so appreciate this. And I think the one thing that you, we both kind of, the family connection mm-hmm. is connecting back, right, to, to the roots. Yeah. And and listening, because I, I listen to Soka oh. in the background every now and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to, for some reason today, my cup, what's in my cup is mm-hmm. Mobby. So, All right then. <laughs> that, that is what I'm sipping on today. Because I think those are the things too that kind of help bring me some peace and comfort yeah. in doing this work. Yeah. I mean, you have yeah. to protect your mindset in this space, you know, and, yeah. and have the things that remind you of who you are. Um, I mean, if you look around my background, there's all sorts of stuff in my office that just, you know, it's a home office, obviously, but it, it just reminds me of why I do what I do. Yeah. Um, and, it's just a matter of protecting your peace and reminding yourself of your culture and where you come from, because that is the most grounding element of all. I love you know, it. Yes. I look at this and I'm just like, yeah, I'm doing this for me, obviously for right now, for people who look like me and, you know, people who face all sorts of isms, but at the, the core of it, you know, I've got young ones that are coming up after me where I, I, I want to be able to say, all right, you know, little youth, here you go. I'm going to pass this on to you if you want it, if you want to pick it up and, you know, take what I've done that much further. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. But also just to show them that, you know, Black women can do what they want to do in the world of work. You know, and the only way to demonstrate that to them is to demonstrate that to them. Yeah. So I take it very seriously. So on days when I'm feeling like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this today. Um, I'm just like, what would I tell my niece? You yeah. know? And what, what will I tell her? You know, I, I don't want to tell her, yeah, Auntie got tired and just packed it all up and, you know, decided to go live in a hut in the middle of nowhere. Because um, some days that sounds like a really enticing idea. Um, Amazing, but, actually. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, I really want to be able to stand up to, 
to her and say, you know what, here's how you work through the hard times. Here's how you take care of yourself. And here's how you exist in a world that is so harsh and so, you know, dedicated to working against you sometimes, yeah. but you still hold value. And so if I, I have to be able to demonstrate it, if I want them to learn it. Love it. Kimberly, thank you so much. Um, if people wanted to find you, you talked about you're on LinkedIn, you're on all the things, <laughs> your website. So we have your website there. Thank you for this, because I think that there's so much that people need to know about just tying that authentic voice mm -hmm. into this work mm -hmm. um, and making sure that it is truly moving the effort forward and not just window dressing. Yeah. Right. And I think yeah. that's a critical piece of this um, and the self-care piece, because I think that's paramount in, in anything that we do. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for the ongoing conversation. Thank you for the jokes and the DMs. Like I, I love all of it. I love all of it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. All right. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us this week um, with our guest, Kimberly, John. See how you forget the last part. Morgan. I get stuck on the John because that's the family part. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Find us here. Find us on your favorite um, podcast platforms. And we will see you next week. Have a good one. Hello.